Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Nasser Mashni, Robert Martin and Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause. In English language, we would like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. In today's episode, we will talk about the Israeli human rights violations against their own citizens, a group of their own citizens, the Palestinians of Israel. For this and more, stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Yes, Robert. The whole team. The whole team is here. This is really exciting. 2018 is kicking off now. Come on. All right, Nasser. So on the 30th of January, we had the third uh, anniversary of Solidarity Day for Palestinians in Israel. Mm -hmm. And the High Follow-Up Committee for Arab Citizens of Israel, this is the peak representative body of Palestinian citizens in Israel. It's an inclusive, all-representative political party. It's got Arab members of the Knesset, Arab mayors, heads of Arab lo- local councils, and all the key civil society organizations. Those, all those organizations have called for solidarity with the Palestinians within 48 Palestine. And ultimately what they've got is a list of demands that they're calling on for the cancellation of racist and discriminatory laws. And, you know, we, we know about all, many of those. And Yusuf, you've spoken about your brother-in-law and sister-in-law, uh, brother-in-law and sister, how they can't reunite. Um, the implementation and of UN Human Rights Conventions, the rejection of the Jewish Nation State Bill, which makes entrenches Palestinians as uh, second-class citizens, mm-hmm. and the to enshrine the the basic tenet of all democracies that all citizens are equal, regardless of of race and religion, which is not currently the case. And there are many laws, over fifty, that talk about um, uh, that deny Palestinians their rights to be equal citizens under the law in the state of Israel. and um, You can maybe share one or two of these well, uh, I, laws. I think w- w- one of the ones that is most p- important, I think, is the the reunification law, Yusuf, mm. and we've spoken about it previously with your own personal circumstance. But an Arab citizen of the state of Israel cannot marry anyone uh, and an- give them citizenship. It doesn't have to be Palestinian. Anyway. It could be you know, an another Ethiopian, Jewish, they yeah. a, a French woman or a French guy or mm. a Ukrainian guy. But anybody who's uh, Jewish can go back to Israel and claim that they're uh, Jewish and receive Aliyah and all state benefits. So this is this is one of the biggest ones. Uh, a recent one that they're just pushing through now is and a law to allow the Knesset, if they get a 75% majority, to expel the expulsion of a member of Knesset. So you know the joint list, the Arab uh, representatives of the member of Knesset. If 75% of the parliament votes... 
they can expel an elected representative to the uh, to the Another parliament. MP. They can expel them for the term of their of that parliament. So that person isn't replaced by another member from the from the uh, from that party. In fact, that seat goes unfilled. I mean, this, this is this is the sort Lord of democracy there that um, Malcolm Turnbull and you know the uh, sycophants to Israel keep defending. And we're lucky enough uh, to have uh, spoken uh, with uh, a Palestinian living in Melbourne, but from uh, this uh, from Akka, group yeah. from Akka, Noura is a Palestinian uh, holder of an Israeli passport who has been living in Australia for a few years. Noura is an educator, she is an activist, and she spoke to us about what it means to be Palestinian living under Israeli law. Stay with us. I'd like to welcome Noura, who is a Palestinian born in Palestine, who holds an Israeli passport. So she's what they call an Israeli Arab. Good morning, Noura. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here with you. So, Noura, we've been talking about the High Follow-Up Committee for Arab Citizens' call for international solidarity with the the 48 Palestinians, or as the uh, Israeli Knesset refers to us as Arab Israelis. Can you take us through your journey, your birth in historic Palestine, in, in Akka, and the challenges you faced as a child first going to school? Uh, sure. Um, I think, so my, my personal experience is not that different from the experience of any other Palestinian that was born and raised in Palestine 48, or, you know, what nowadays the international community likes to call Israel. Um, and I think it's important, before I talk about my personal experience, I think it's, it's important to keep in mind or to keep reminding ourselves that this day is meant to um, bring the Palestinians of 48 into the awareness. And basically that means putting the Nakba in the forefront and keeping reminding people that Palestine or the conflict or, um, you know, the colonization started back in 1948 or even before that, right? Um, It's important to keep reminding people that Palestine is not, I mean, it is, Gaza, and it's the West, the West Bank, but it's also Akka and Haifa, and it's, it's uh, Sheikh Mwannes now called Tel Aviv, it's Mkhaled now called Netanya, Tabariya, and Safad, right? Yes. Um, but going back to um, your question, which is um, my personal experience growing up um, in Akka, I think living in Akka is, um, like, if, if you've ever visited Akka, you can see, it, it, it's called one of the mixed cities, right? So they call it mixed because there's um, Arabs and Israeli Jewish people living, um, or, you know, supposedly together. Um, even though we are both living in the same city, but we're not really living together, so it's not really mixed. We don't mix anywhere, right? We don't go to the same schools. We don't uh, go to the same um, uh, hangout places. We don't why go to why the same is that? Is, is there well, a... That's because there's, um, there's a segregation in schools, so the, the education system is, is structurally... structurally systematically racist like that in a way that it, it's, um, there's two curriculums, one for the Israeli Jewish students and one for the Arab Palestinian uh, students. Uh, there's two separate schools. They don't mix. And I think the reason is obvious, right? It's because you want to of keep course. that segregation happening and you want, you, you want to keep that um, fear of the other and that, you know, demonization of the other happening because if people mix, God forbid, they might like each other and then realize we're, we're not real enemies, right? As, as, um, as, as you were growing up, being called a, an Arab and not a Palestinian, is that something that was hurtful or is it something that you wondered? Uh, or 
No, I never wondered because thankfully I come from a family. I think, and, and that also applies to any of the Palestinians. Like, you can't wonder because that, that system keeps reminding you that it, keep, it keeps othering you, right? So in a way, even if they call you, um, you're, you're an Arab or you're, you know, you're an Israeli, why are you saying you're Palestinian? Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm not treated as an Israeli. I'm not treated as, a, as the, my Israeli citizen. Um, uh, citizen. Yes, the, the next Israeli citizen. So I'm not treated as one. They keep reminding me that I'm not a citizen, that I'm a second-class citizen, that I don't have rights, or that the law, you know, by, even through laws, but also through practices and through um, just, you know, like uh, people walking down the street, you might hear some racial slurs, or people might ask you stupidly to go back to Gaza when you're, in fact, from mm. Safad. So it's like, well, I'm ha- I would happy to go, I'd be more than happy to go back to where... Um, you know, I'm originally from, but that is Safad. That's not Gaza. Um, so this makes us relatives, uh, Nora, because my oh, mother, yeah. my mother's family is from Safad. But anyway, go on. Oh wow, that's it. I'm sure we we will find that connection uh, mm. somewhere. You, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, and I think um, going back to that point, that it's uh, they they it's a in Palestine 48 or in Akka or you know Israel behind the green line, whatever they call it. It's a battle of awareness as well. So um, I, I think the question that was raised by Robert is, is a really an essential one because they keep trying to erase that identity, the Palestinianity. Uh, oh, you're not Palestinians. They're different. The one in the West Bank, they're different than you. So, um, you know, uh, hence you are not the same. You're not the same group of people. But that's, that's, um, that's one of the major techniques of, you know, colonial um, as in to divide and conquer, but also mm. to erase, erase the culture and erase the, the identity of um, the colonized people. Um, Noura, uh, Mahmoud Darwish describes Akka beautifully, saying that mm-hmm. uh, the most beautiful of all old cities and the oldest of all most beautiful cities. Um, absolutely agree. And uh, you <laughs> can't argue Ak- with Mahmoud Darwish. <laughs> can't argue. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I want I want you to take us to Akka and try to describe mm-hmm. uh, Akka to us. I've never been to Akka. Yeah. I have a, a nephew and niece living there. I'm not allowed to mm-hmm. visit them, but uh, yeah. maybe you can uh, take us to Akka and try to describe this uh, this beautiful city. Yeah, Akka is is uh, is a top um, international heritage city, right? So it's uh, it's it's got so much culture and so much uh, civilizations and, and so much, um, it's such a rich place to be uh, living in. Um, unfortunately, Akka also has, and like, there's the, all this rich history and culture, but Akka is one of the targeted cities because Akka, especially the, the, um, the Arab, yeah, the Arab identity of Akka. Mm. So just like, you know, any other mixed cities, as they like to call it, so Haifa as well, Yafa. So the the Arab features of the city are slowly um, disappearing. Being yes, di- disappearing. They're they're, they're not. It's, it's not like a random thing, and it's not something that happens over time. It's obviously it's a systematic um, approach. There's a systematic approach to kind of making Akka. Uh, look and um, you know look less feel, Arab. Feel, feel more and more Israeli. The, the yeah, reality is in the old yeah. city, in 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 the fortress. You know what you know yeah. is a, a city that's at least five thousand years old. Yeah, um, absolutely. The the settlers there are as 
evil as the settlers are in East Jerusalem. I mean, they, when they take over a, a flat or they buy <coughs> a flat, the Israeli flags come out and, I mean, it's, yeah. it, it really is yucky. But the hospitality yeah. in the market, the actual sort in, uh, in Akka is, is, you know, wonderful. And the seafood, if you ever get there, the food, make sure you go to a Palestinian restaurant, but the seafood is something to savor. Absolutely, yeah. So, so Lord, I was going to ask that, uh, so growing up, were you taught about the Nakba, or was this something that you weren't allowed to learn? No, you're not allowed. Uh, uh, growing up as a student or as a teacher, I mean, also in, in Akka or, you know, within um, Israel, you're not allowed to discuss Nakba in history. I mean, actually, you're taught about the Nakba, which is the catastrophe and the ethnic cleansing and, you know, the deportation of 70% of the population and so on and so forth. You're taught about it from the Israeli point of view, so you're you're taught the you're Israeli celebrating narrative. the independence. So you're celebrating, yeah, exactly the independence. Uh, it's very similar to um, another country which I happen to, <laughs> to, to live in well. that yeah. celebrates an invasion day and calls yeah. it, you know, well, the, the day of uh, celebration. The reality yeah. is that um, not only are you not taught about the Nakba, but there is an anti-Nakba law. Yes. You, you, yes. You, it's against the law to commemorate the Nakba. Yes. It's against the law to. Um, yeah. Speak about or educate about it, and so yeah. well, funding gets pulled, and you know, I mean, it's yeah. And teachers have lost their, you know, their jobs, um, and they lost uh, the ability. Like they, they were just unemployable um, after mentioning the Nakba. Yeah. So there's, there's real, as I said earlier, it's, it's a war, like it's a, it's an awareness war where it's, you know, it's erasing the history, but also it's kind of um, dominate, like. Occupying the minds, basically, um, and, and the awareness of people. And they're doing a pretty good job of it. So th- there's, yeah. an, there's another law, Noura, and I don't know how comfortable you are speaking about it, but there's the mm-hmm. family reunification law. Yeah. And, and, and basically, well, primarily it was used to stop 48 pals uh, marrying and meeting and reunifying with 67 yep. pals, or yep. EJ pals or Gaza pals, and bringing them uh-huh. into you know, the motherland or Jewish Israel. Does that mm-hmm. affect you at all? Uh, of course, it affects. Um, I mean, it affects me on the personal level, but also it affects, um, yeah, any Palestinian living there. Um, this is not the only law, basically, that discriminates against, like, that is clearly discriminating against Palestinians in Israel. There's the law of land, where you're not allowed to own, uh, you know, land by law. Um, there's the law of citizenship, the return, the family reunification, as you mentioned. But on a personal level, I mean, I happen to be living here because. Um, yeah, basically my husband, I can't, I'm under this, um, the family reunification law, I cannot basically bring my husband to live back hmm. home in Palestine. Well, my me, brother, so. my brother is married to a Palestinian from, from Akka, hmm. and he's been waiting for uh, any result of his application for yeah. more than four years now, hmm. and which means that he will be separated from his kids who have not yeah. seen him for four years now because uh, the, his wife is not in a position to visit Jordan. That's where mm-hmm. they only can meet. And he doesn't live in Jordan, which is another example, like you yeah. said, in line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's also, there's lots of cases in Akka as well uh, mm. of, um, of uh, people, like of couples that one Separated, of them is from the yeah. West Bank. And they're, they're just, like, the, the wife has no legal status in there. So she can't go... They refuse to recognize her existence or basically her status, uh, even though she's married to a citizen. But because he's Palestinian, so he, he just does not get that. You know. And we should also we should also remind our listeners that in fact mm. you can be Jewish from anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. 
with some tenuous link way back when to biblical Israel and mm-hmm. say that I'm a Jew and I'm uh, uh, performing yeah. alia and be granted instant citizenship for yourself, mm-hmm. your family and your offspring and marry anyone and enjoy the full rights. Well, yeah, this I is mean, happening to us. Yeah, you don't have to be personally Jewish. I mean, you can just claim Jewish ancestry. You can say... You know, my mother or my great grandmother is Jewish, so and and you'll be granted citizenship, and you'll be granted uh, the the right of return, and you'll be able to own land, and you'll be able to get your family to live with you. Um, yeah. So, but however, that only applies if you are Jewish. That doesn't work if you're mm. Palestinian, um, and, and native Palestinian, right? Uh, Nora, for the first 18 years, the Palestinians of Israel lived under military laws. Uh, could you please? Tell us or share some of the story you may have heard from your parents or the older generation. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the, it's um, it's it's the same same case of let's say Palestinians in the West Bank at the moment. So you were not allowed. You needed um, a permit to leave your city or town to go to another city for a hospital or to go to another city for um, um, school or for you know. So it's um, it's. It was exactly like just another model of what's happening at the moment in, in the West Bank. Um, yeah, so people could not, they, of course, I mean, they were living there as um, colonized people, so there was no freedoms, no freedom of movement, no freedom of expression, of course, but also um, lots of lands were lost at the moment. So they, the, the loss of land did not stop at 1948. It's, a, it's an ongoing and continuous process where they just... Um, the uh, Israeli government, um, ever since 1948, just kept, um, you know, annexing and just taking more more lands from the Palestinians in Israel. So, so Norda, I was going to ask, because obviously Israel have this huge propaganda mach- machine to say that, you know, we're a democratic country. We even have mm-hmm. Arabs working with us and, you know, are allowed to have a job and go in the Knesset and so forth. Mm-hmm. If you had 15 minutes or three minutes with Malcolm Turnbull, what would you say to him about you know the realities of on the ground as a Palestinian? I mean, I would say a democracy would not create two different set of laws and then apply them differently on different groups of people, especially their citizens, right? So a law should be a law, and we all should be um, uh, abiding, or it, it needs to apply on all citizens equally. Um, now, if there's a, there's a, there's an inherent problem in the system if the system privileges one group over the other, um, and which it clearly case, does. Yeah, which clearly does, and and all the so all these laws are created to basically um, perpetuate the, you know the Jewish majority, but also the Jewish privilege. Like uh, it is a privilege, right? It's, um, it's for them. It's, it's um, for them. It is a democracy. You know, maybe some of them might argue, might argue that even for some Jewish groups. They, they feel that it's not a democracy anymore because, you know, they're being also um, oppressed by the mainstream or, I don't, mm. I don't know, something like that. But uh, for us, it's like, you can't argue. It's, it's um, like, it's hard to pretend to be a democracy when you're, when the entire existence is built on ethnic cleansing, it is built on massacre, it's built on demolishing almost 700 villages, it's built on um, mass shooting. It's, so it's, it's hard to pretend that you're a democracy like that, but what makes it harder is to continue these kind of practices. Um, there are villages and towns in Israel that are not recognized. 
because like the Negev, but, in the, mm. yeah, exactly like the Naqab, right? So there mm. are lots of villages in the Naqab, but not only in the Naqab, by the way, there's villages in the in the Jalil, in, Jalil, so in the Jalil. upper Galilee, yeah, of of, uh, of people who are just not recognized. They have they're not registered, and and the government refuses to give them any um, uh, recognition. So there's there's no electricity, there's no water, there's no school, there's no so, so all these things. It's really hard to pretend that you are a democracy when you're obviously. Um, um, systematically working towards just suppressing, and but also like not. I, I would I would say it's more than marginalizing. I would say it's targeting the native uh, of of mm. this land, right? In line of what you said, Noura, some Israeli uh, analysts uh, say that the, the Palestinians of Israel are not just the second-class citizens; they could be four or fifth-class citizens after mm-hmm. the European Jews. The Eastern Jews, the Russian Jews, the the Falasha Jews, and then comes the Arab. Oh yeah, I mean, I agree. So there are I agree other levels of <laughs> the division, and mm. it also basically it connects. So again, so I, I think that that system, a system that is inherently racist, just creates further racist groups and further racist practices and further racist uh, people, right? Because if you live in that system, then you're you're bound to be influenced by this kind of thinking and. Um, and and um, yeah, as that uh, journalist said, um, the Palestinians don't even enjoy being a second-class citizen, right? And uh, we're talking about natives again, indigenous people, um, because the way that the Israeli government does is that it ties to it ties basically rights, basic rights, uh, to serving in the army um, sometimes. So. For, for you to get a, you know, to be able to have or own or lease a piece of land, you need to be um, a soldier, yeah. right? So, and I think that's the only thing that kind of um, um, unites the Israeli society as a whole. Like, it's mm. that, that experience of trusting another people, that experience of going to the army and serving in the army. And that's what brings them all together, because they're also fractured, just like any other community or society, right? There's lots of fractions and lots of different people and different groups of people and different thinking, ways of thinking. Mm. So, um, and, and the way that they try to unity is mm. by just putting, pushing everyone or making it uh, mandatory for everyone to go and, and mm. serve in the army and oppress, you know, having that um, um, common enemy where we all gang up against that common enemy, so... Now, Nora, you, you mentioned the army, and this is a tough question, mm-hmm. but I think let's be realistic and probably pose it. could be challenging to answer. Uh, we know that also some of the uh, Arabs from Druze and Bedouin background do mm-hmm. serve in the army. How is this issue within the Arab uh, spectrum? Uh, is, is this an issue that we can debate on? Uh, are they looked... Um, I don't know. Tell me more about... Unpack mm-hmm. this, 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 this point, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I mean, I think, of course, this is an issue for Palestinians, but we need to keep in mind that Palestinians in, in 48, they're 20% of, it, of the population, but they make 50% of people living under poverty law. So they live under terrible conditions, not only socially, but economically, of course, politically. The education is an issue. So uh, it's, it's not... It's something that we need to keep in mind when we talk about Palestinians in Israel, because there's, there's this, um, you know, the, the Israeli narrative tries to, pick, to, to create a picture of Palestinians in Israel as, oh, look, they're living and they're happy and they're citizens, so uh, hence we're a democracy. So it's, this is not the case, right? So when you have 20% of the population, that is 
that make 60% of the people under poverty law. That, that's a, that's a, an issue. Um, and, and the way that Israel, as I said, as, as I mentioned earlier, it ties basic rights to serving in the army. So, and it's not it's not something that is um, alien to you know people living living under occupation or colonization. That uh, groups sometimes tend to want to kind of create that bridge between them and and um, the uh, colonizer, or let's call it the people in power, so that they can uh, you know create better conditions for themselves. Now, of course, this thing is also encouraged by the uh, Israeli government. They're, they're always targeted, right? They would like to... Um, the Israeli government, they're, they're constantly trying to target the Palestinian minority. Um, they try to push them into um, doing, if not an, an army um, service, they call, there's something else that they call civil service or civic service or national service. So they, they just want the Palestinians to basically detach themselves from the, the Palestinianity, right? So mm. this is, again, this is the, uh, the question that was raised earlier, uh, being called an Arab and not a Palestinian. Mm. This is kind of trying to get, um, um, to create a mentality of, you're not a Palestinian, so you should, you're, you're a citizen here, we give you citizenship, we, you know, you need, you need to be grateful, you need to be thankful that you are a citizen in Israel, and you should be, pay your dues, and basically you should serve in the army. So, unfortunately, that kind of rhetoric works with, you know, people, with groups. And as I said earlier, it's a byproduct of being colonized. Mm. Um, but even even those groups that you mentioned earlier that do serve in the army, um, they don't, they end up not getting the same um, rights and privileges as the Israeli soldier, right? So if, if a Druze soldier or a Badawi mm-hmm. soldier, they go and they serve, the minute they're they hand back their uh, uniform, they're called, you know, your stinky Arab. Mm. Um, and it, it's the experience of, of many soldiers, right? It's, there's a lot of soldiers that are talking about this and raising awareness. Um, there's a lot of soldiers, actually, who... Um, there's been stories of soldiers, like a story of, of um, a soldier that I... Well, an ex-soldier that I know who, um, uh, who used to be um, um, a guard... And uh, basically in charge of one of the um, incarceration facilities. Yeah. So um, after basically after a, a process, long process of learning and, and you know listening and talking to these prisoners, he quit. He he quit basically his service, and then he became a lawyer. And he he came back and he defended the Palestinian prisoners. So um, why I, I agree. I think this is a major issue, right? It's something that. Um, the Palestinian um, Palestinian society within Israel suffers from, um, but again, as I as I said, it's something that is now increasingly becoming um, that people are becoming more aware of, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're they're more careful. As in, you know, they, they, because again, based on the experience of others, they they served, they still didn't get anything. You know, lots of uh, uh, Badu from the Nakab serve. They, yep. we, we still have unrecognized villages. They don't have electricity. They don't have infrastructure. So, you know, this the, inju- the injustice is too big to be ignored. Look, just on that, exactly. I, I, I was yeah. told a, a story while I was there that uh, there was an yeah. Israeli Arab serving, mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. uh, overseeing the house demolitions. And yeah. his house was in the wrong area. His actually house got demolished. So, being his, his own house, his own house. So, him being in the IDF wasn't enough protection. Yeah, I mean, yeah. came down to him being a Palestinian and his house was demolished. Yeah. Now, Nora, we're heading towards the end of the uh, interview, of mm-hmm. this enlightening interview. Uh, in about 
maybe half a minute. Is this something you want to share with our listeners, a message, a statement? Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to share. I think it's important, again, I think going back, always going back to the context, um, Palestine is Akka, Palestine is Haifa, Palestine is Safad. When we talk about Palestinian occupation, we very often people tend to forget Palestinians of 48 and they kind of, they, they're treated as an Israeli internal affair, right? Um, we need to keep in mind that these people are um, uh, internally displaced people. So they're, they live as refugees within their countries. There are areas where, which they're not allowed to, to um, you know, live in. There, there are schools that they're not allowed to study in. So some, some um, let's say, um, you know, um, villages or kibbutzes or I don't know what, what you want to call it, they have a committee, and that committee decides who lives in, in with them and who doesn't. And, and they have one of the factors, which they call, like, cultural factor. And, and again, these, these are um, things that are done basically to keep them as internally displaced people and to prevent them from going back to the villages because some of the some of the people living in Akka they're not originally from Akka like my father's family for example were from Safad and Safad is still there however we cannot go back to Safad so this is this is an ongoing issue and this this is an issue that um, again links back to the uh, to the Palestinian to the Palestinians everywhere right this is the refugees mm. um, this is land and this is uh, you know basic rights so it's it's again it's Another um, reflection of the bigger picture of what, what does it mean to be a Palestinian. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thanks, Nora. So Nora is a Palestinian educator, writer, activist, and community organizer. Thanks so much. Thank you very Thank much you. for having me. Pleasure Thank talking you. to you. With this, uh, we've come to the end of this week's episode of Palestine. Remembered, thank you for tuning in. And remember to tune in next Saturday, same time, 9.30 in the morning. Until then, this is Nasser, Robert and Yusuf wishing you the best of time and salam. <laughs>